Hello and welcome to season two, part one of the best of Intellicast podcast. My name is Adam Jolly and joining me as always is my host, Brown Lamar. Hey Adam, shut it down for the year. This Can't believe it. it's over, right? Here Crazy. we are recording this on July 30th. <laughs> That'd be great. We if we if all we did all of the uh, we were done with Intellicast by end of July. And we just roll them out whenever we think we like it. As always, Intellicast is brought is part of the Intellicast Podcast Network. I'm trying to make that a thing, by the way. Yeah. Um. Even though we, who knows how many do, podcasts we actually have do, now. We're we gonna talk about the curse of Pole Party at any point. Mm, <laughs> I'm not ready. Okay. Okay. But we we will move on. I'm not ready. Um, you can reach us if you want to email, if you want to be on the podcast, if you want to start another podcast on the Intellicast Podcast Network, email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. On Twitter, we are EMI underscore research, IntelliCast1, Adam Jolly, all one word. And if you wanted to leave us a voicemail or text, you can call us at 513-401-5463. Brian, how was your year? Oh, I think it was a good year. You know what? I think it'd be, yeah, if you write down on paper... How was your year? Like I write down a bunch of stuff. Maybe one of the worst years, but probably the best year of my life. Yeah. I feel great about this year. If you had a column, yeah, of the ledger of all the good things that happened, all the yeah. bad things that happened. The good, the good's bigger than the bad. Bigger than the bad. Good's bigger than the bad. And you know what? And they're and they're evergreen. Yeah, they'll be good forever. Yeah, so much. Yeah, 2019 really put roots down for 2020 and beyond. Yes. Uh, this week we'll be uh, sharing a couple of guests, our favorite interviews of the year. This first episode, um, it's a girl party, I guess. It's uh, Rachel Altmont, who uh, is the chair of SampleCon, which is timely because SampleCon is right around the corner. Yeah. So you can listen to this and get ready for 2020 SampleCon in Atlanta. Yeah, pretend we just interviewed her this week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Same hits. What's, yeah, what's the difference? Trust me. Uh, the next one is Tanya Farr from Burke. Yeah. She's great. She's awesome. Do you know I ran into her at another conference this year? And like I am, she is delightful. Oh yeah. Unbelievable lady. Yeah. Like I felt like the sun was shining a little bit brighter. She would be if we did a Mount Rushmore best hair, she'd be on it. Amazing. Yeah, great hair. Great. She's uh, she's amazing. One of my favorite people. And then lastly, Priscilla McKinney of Little Bird Marketing, who's probably in the top three for market research one of the year. Oh, I think, finalist. I think she's a finalist. She's I'll probably a finalist, that. yeah. Uh so if I'm, I'm noticing here, if these are our best three, three of the top seven interviews we did for the year, two of them you did by yourself. I wasn't here for Rachel or Tanya, which is great. Okay. Let's me know. Hey, again, 2019, learning stuff about myself. Here I am <laughs> learning things. Uh, you want to do a, a uh, Mount Rushmore? Let's do a Mount Rushmore. All right. So this, uh, this week, we're going to do a Mount Rushmore of food, we, food or drink, dinners, we had while on the road in 2019. Yeah. I'm really excited for this. Oh, me too. I'll also say um, <laughs> it took us about 30 minutes to come up with this list. <laughs> this is by far the most show prep we've ever done. I <laughs> pride myself on my memory. Yeah, um, as I you should. I feel like I have an amazing memory. I remember things like it's almost – it's not good to be friends with me almost because yeah, of the memory curse. I have. Yeah. Um, I didn't remember anything this year. I didn't remember any <laughs> amazing. I didn't remember any food that I ate. We had to point out that you went to Washington, D.C. I had no idea I went to Washington. I've been to Washington, D.C. six times this year. had no idea I'd been at all. It's wild. <laughs> oh, yeah, D.C. Uh, oh, yeah, I did go there. <laughs> uh, so let's dive into it. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah. My first one on best meals, um, the pork rinds. <laughs> 
at Bangers in Austin, Texas. Yeah. This was a meal. Um, you were not there. It no. was me, Tony Brown, and Jason Innerhees at IIEX. Okay. Went to Bangers, which um, shout out to Bangers. Should be a sponsor of the show. I feel like we mention them all the time. It's a great beer pub in Austin. Awesome beer garden, over 100 beers on top. And they make a homemade pork rinds, and they give you barbecue sauce to dip them into. They're kind of warm, and they come out. It's amazing. That was in my top four dinners. I didn't go to Bangers, but I'll be back in Austin this year, it looks like, so I will likely go to Bangers. I'm going to stick with Austin theme. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know the name of the restaurant. Maybe you remember. When we first got to Austin, you, I think it was Tony. Maybe it was Jason. Just Jason. Just me and Jason. Yeah. We went to, we went somewhere. Gus's we Fried outside. Chicken. Gus's Fried Chicken. We yeah. waited for the doors to open. We were the first ones there. We walked That's in, right. had an awesome lunch, but the best part of the meal, I think, was the pie. We all got pie, which is kind of rare and odd. We don't normally do that. No, no. The pie was amazing. It was so good. Um, because there was the pecan, and then yeah. somebody, you got it. Did you get the chess? Yeah, I got a chess pie. Oh, that was so good. You and it was like 11 o'clock in the morning. 11 o'clock in the morning. So good. Pie in an empty restaurant. Gus's Fried Chicken. Yeah. Man, that was so good. Uh, my next one is in Chicago. Uh, going back to April uh, during the Quirks event, I went to RPM, which is kind of a fancy restaurant. Uh, Julian uh, Ronsek, who does E! News, he, yeah. he owns it. Um, and it wasn't the food I'll talk about. But I was with a client, and we got they have a gin and tonic menu. Yeah, I'm a huge gin and tonic guy. I talk about it a lot on the podcast. Love yeah. my feet in the grass, drinking gin and tonic. And they had fishbowl gin and tonics. Oh God! Like they were like probably a liter of gin in them. And one of the clients we were with had like three, which was rough. Oh boy! But it was so good. It came in like this giant fishbowl with so much gin in it, and then like an entire Christmas tree. So delicious. Yeah. I remember that night because I had a drink with you in the lobby before you went to this dinner, mm-hmm. and I got carry out Chinese food that night. Not on my list. I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a recent one. Two weeks ago, at the end of the Future of Insight Summit in Athens, Georgia, um, Cassidy Hoffman, who works at 8451, she was giving me a ride back to the airport in Atlanta. We were stuck with each other for like three hours. <laughs> she said, hey, let's go to Mama's Boy. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, Mama's Boy. I'm like... I don't know what you're we're talking about. So she's like, well, we'll go have lunch. And it's like a breakfast place. I, and I go, this place did not exist when I was in school here. She's like, yeah, it's been there forever. It opened up one year after I left Athens, Whoa. Georgia, which I was super upset about. It was, like, it was like a block from where I lived in Athens. But it's an awesome little biscuit place. It does bis- chicken biscuit sandwiches and like honey butter. And like it's all, it's kind of like a little local dive, but it's super popular with kids. Man, Mama's Boy, and it's probably Man, my. This is probably good. my best meal of the year. Really, there might be some recency bias because I can still sure. kind of taste the chicken that. biscuit. But Mama's Boy in Athens, Georgia, that's really good. Um, I'll stay in Georgia for num- my number three. Um, this was a trip that'll come up later on a different <laughs> Mount Rushmore. Uh, myself, you, Kathleen Hawk, and Andrew DeSillis were in Atlanta. Yeah. For a day, and uh, the Women's World Cup was going on. And yeah. so we were like, can we find a sports bar to hang out with? We have time to kill. We were kind of done for the day. It had been a long day of travel and meetings and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I texted a fraternity brother of mine, and he said, go to this place in Buckhead. It's called the Elbow Room. Yes. You'll love it. Yeah. And then after I, so we started going there, we got in the Uber to go there. I texted him back, I have people I work with coming with me. He said, abort. <laughs> oh, Denny. I was like, this will still be okay. Yeah. And so we get there, and it, I I didn't know that you could still smoke 
in restaurants. I didn't either. That was crazy. It was so wild how much smoke was going on in this little tiny bar. At 4 o'clock, it was the U.S. versus England World Cup yeah. match. Yeah. Big match. Big match. And uh, how many people were not working, just smoking cigarettes at the bar. <laughs> yes. And we actually, in my meal, would be the pizza that we got. We yeah. all ordered a slice of pizza. Yes. Uh, the waitress was so rude to us. Yeah. actually asked us, have you ever ordered pizza before? Well, We asked what toppings come on it. It was, uh, well, it was a dollar slice. Dollar slice. And someone was like, what kind of onions do you have on your pizza? What kind of peppers? And she was just like, I mean, do you Green know anything peppers. about pizza? Yeah. <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> but we all got like... A dollar piece of pizza. Yeah. It was like it was just a gigantic slice. Yeah. Um, it helped make the beer go down a little bit smoother, helped tolerate the cigarettes a little bit. It was great. Well, it was great, but if you remember that, <laughs> this is gonna be another theme. I did not go to this was like at four o'clock in the afternoon, then we were all oh, gonna go to yeah, dinner yeah. that night. Yeah. That piece of pizza, which I agree was really good. I think it made me sick. I don't it was I, either that I get it. We yeah. had Chipotle, I had the Rose Lavelle for lunch. I don't know how I remember this because I have a really bad memory, but for lunch we had Chipotle ordered yeah. in. And either that or the pizza made me sick. I didn't get to go to this awesome dinner that you all went yeah, to. Yeah, it was pretty good. But the, I will say that the pizza was at the elbow room in Buckhead was uh, just as good as that dinner. Okay. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. All right. What you got? Um, next, I'm going to go. Um, we went to the same trip. The next morning, we flew to Durham, North Carolina, or Raleigh, Durham. And we went to a little coffee shop first thing because we had, I don't know, it's one of those you had an hour to kill before your meeting, right? Yeah. So we went to a coffee shop and we're just kind of catch up an email and awesome little, I don't know, Durham little city coffee shop. I don't remember the name of it. Do you? No. No idea. Um, But if you're in Durham, you'll know what I'm talking about. Sure. They had a bunch of pie. And of course, (laughs) you and I... At, I don't know what was it nine in the morning. Yeah, order, yeah, order a coffee yeah. and a pie. All of us did the same. Kathleen, Andrew, me, and you ordered pie. It was awesome pie with a little coffee. It was drink. Uh, Bean Traders. Bean Traders. Bean Traders is where we went. Okay, awesome coffee shop in Raleigh Durham. And um, I don't even know where I was at the time. I asked a local in the restroom line. I'm like, where are we? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. She's like, you're in Durham. So okay, great. well, it's a yeah. triangle, right? I don't it know is. where I'm at. It's the research triangle. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the coffee shop is up there. Oh, man. What did we have? What kind of pie was it? Didn't you have – it was like some kind of um, coffee, yeah, there was, chess, um, mousse. It had a lot of mousse. It was yeah. big and hearty. Yeah. All of them were. You know, probably a $5 slice of pie. Oh, so good. Uh, my last one uh, happened last week. I um, went to uh, Adam Perry Lang APL in Los Angeles. Uh, Adam Perry Lang, if you have ever heard of him, he's a big barbecue guy. Uh, usually does like low and slow cooking, but he has a steakhouse now. I went there by myself after a taping of the Jimmy Kimmel show Oh, last week. Uh, I saw The Rock, and then uh, I went to this restaurant, and it was an unbelievable steak and French fries, and I drank a lot of bourbon, and it was unbelievable. That Great, sounds good. Maybe the best dining experience I had. And then at the end, I ordered dessert because I was by myself. I loved it, um, and it was like this butterscotch creme brulee. Dude, oh. dude, so good. That, this is the best part of traveling, by the way. Um, I've got three more. I don't know how this happened. Yeah, keep going. Um, I'm gonna put. And I talked about this before. <laughs> you and I and Tony and Jason ate there in Athens, Georgia. It was a little barbecue. I mean, not in Athens, in Austin, Texas. It was a barbecue place. But Stubbs, I had, right? I yeah. had, what was it called? Stubbs. Yeah, Stubbs. Yeah. But I had eaten there before when they had a buffet and a gospel band on a Sunday morning gospel really? brunch. Um. Like eleven o'clock on a Sunday in in Austin, Texas, is amazing. One of the best experiences, maybe one of the best meals I've had ever. 
Um, but definitely on the top of this year. It was really close. So if you're not in Austin, which will be later this year, I don't know if it's going to be a Sunday, go to Stubbs Barbecue for a little buffet, which was okay. Sure. Um, but the music was awesome. That's awesome. you have any other meals you want to yeah. talk about? Uh, next one, uh, also in Austin, I went to, uh, which I thought was a restaurant, but I walked to a food truck. I walked like two miles to a food hey. truck. Yeah. And it had gluten-free pizza, but it was amazing. It was the first night we were there. It was a Saturday night, and we ate it in the rain. But it was so good. Oh, it was right. so good. So that's, I don't remember the name of it, but um, the gluten-free pizza was awesome. And then the last one was we went to Cleveland, drove there. Driving back, we stopped at a place called Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Have you ever been to Grandpa's Cheese Barn? Never been there. No. Oh. But I'm very aware of the drive through Ohio and Indiana where you do yeah. cheese barns. Yeah. yeah. It was Grandpa's Cheese Barn, yeah. which is so weird. There's like all these different areas where you can buy a billion different types of cheeses and desserts and, you know, things like jelly and just random stuff. It was amazing. We all loaded up on stuff for the office and brought it back. It was a good trip. Grandpa's Cheese Barn, somewhere between Columbus and Cleveland, Ohio, off of I-71. If you're northern Ohio, you probably know what Grandpa's Cheese Barn is. That's it. great. Uh, any Ooh. bad meals you want to mention? No, like, well, typically when I travel, I don't like, I'm dead. I don't know what it is. I'm getting old. And, like, especially at a conference, when you, I get up early, like, I think you do as well. I'm usually the first one there at the conference. I have so much energy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I load up on caffeine. I get through the content and meeting all the people. And it drains me by like five or six o'clock. I am done. And once I get back to the hotel room and take my shoes off, it is hard it's to get me back out. It's not that's getting it. back out. So I can't tell you how many carry out meals I got this year. Oh, that's funny. So none of those were great. <laughs> so about 80% of my meals are probably carry out. <laughs> me wearing you know, sweatpants and a t-shirt walking to the closest place. There's a lot of <laughs> moments for me where like, I will, you were out all day and then you do a dinner and you've been oh. drinking and you're underslept and you're exhausted. And I get back to the room and I'm just like, you know what? I'm getting, uh, getting some cheesecake room service or I'm yeah. busting out that Kit Kat in the mini bar, that type yeah. thing. Very sad. Yeah. But also not too bad. At the yeah. Same time. yeah. Yeah. Those are my worst meals. All the others. Uh, other worst meals. I was in austin i'll go bad food for austin i don't remember where we were it was me tony and J- i think it was I- I- iax had d- been done you left yeah we went to the after party oh yeah it was on the rooftop and on the way we stopped at a place and ate and it was very cutesy like very austin cool a lot of skulls and stuff and <laughs> we ordered a frito pie and yeah. it came out with like like cheeto like like chili sour cream into in a dish and then just basically a two foot long homemade frito that was the worst thing i've ever eaten before oh oh it was so bad and then I, it was like a hot chicken sandwich on top of it that you couldn't pick up and an egg on i don't like mixing eggs and chicken yeah because to me that's like eating a family <laughs> so <laughs> that was in one of my worst meals of the year um the food in Atlanta, that trip where uh, you didn't make it out to dinner, uh, that wasn't very good. It was like a Southern style. I'm not going to mention these restaurants. Names. It was like a Southern style. I got the shrimp and grits where the grits were like undercooked. Yeah. Very not good. Um, I think that's about all I want to talk about. Okay. <laughs> it's, it can be hit or miss. Oh, uh, LaGuardia. My favorite place in the world. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk right. about that. Um, I love LaGuardia Airport. I know that stands out. Everyone else doesn't like it. I love to be able to go yeah. to a place and not talk to anyone. Yeah. Um, there is a section in C, I want to say terminal C over yeah. between, like if you get out of security, 
and you take a left and you go like see 21 through 45 and there's like the beer garden and then there's like all those little restaurants there and you can yes. sit down at your tablet and order food from yes there. it's a giant beautiful you told me on the plane Beautiful, it's beautiful area. It's unbelievable. You can order pretty much anything, and they'll bring it to you in like five minutes. Right. You and I ordered nachos there on a layover from Boston yeah. to LaGuardia on our way to Cincinnati. Yeah. That was a little rough for the flight. I had a lobster salad there one time. Yeah. Maybe it's, I'm not ordering right things. I'm not ordering correct things for your I ordered, food. once again, pie. <laughs> I right. ordered pie. True. <laughs> um, I had a chicken parmesan sandwich there at once. That was really good. Oh, that sounds good. I'll, I'll say that was one of the best meals I've had there. But that's a great – if you have two hours – in between flights at LaGuardia, or you're there early for your flight, yeah. go there. And it's just, you know, it's like there's like a sports bar. There's a coffee bar. There's every type of restaurant. Two weeks ago, I had potato soup yeah. sitting there. I yeah. mean, come on. Where can you get this type of stuff? Yeah. Cheesecake Factory. Um, all right. Let's jump into our interviews. Um, if you have uh, another, if you have travel suggestions, here's, I'm open to it. All right. I travel a lot. Send me a restaurant to go to in a city. Yeah, and I'll eat there, and then I'll give my I'll give like a little food recommendation. Where, where are you going next? Like, I'm going to Miami next, I think. Uh, Vegas. Oh yeah, that's right. Right. Oh, yeah. so those are great cities for foodies, right? Unbelievable. So foods. send us Miami, send us Vegas. It's gonna be great. Uh, let's jump in to our guests. We're gonna start off again with Rachel Lautman uh, of SampleCon, Tanya Farr of Burke, and then we'll get into Priscilla McKinney of Little Bird Marketing. Hey, joining us now, it is Rachel Altmont of SampleCon. And Rachel, it is great to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me back. Oh, so excited. This is your third time on. I think it's one of our, you're the top two or three of all-time guests. Oh, that makes me feel very honored. <laughs> yes, it's because SampleCon is one of our favorite conferences of the year. All right, Rachel, so I'm going to ask you, what's new? What's going on with SampleCon? Anything new? Anything you want to talk about with the conference that's coming soon? Yes, yeah, so we're so excited about SampleCon 2019. Um, the content this year is just incredible and really represents the conversations that are happening in the industry and I think will spark a lot of new dialogue, new thoughts, and the tone for what people are going to drive forward into in the year that's coming. Awesome. And then I saw, it looks like you have some new topics maybe, like I saw some gamification I saw maybe blockchain and some automation topics. Can, can you want to talk about any of those? Yeah. So what we really wanted to look at when we were selecting our speakers for this year was new voices, new topics, or topics that we've explored before, but that have new angles to be um, to be discussed. And so um, we're really excited about the people that it, that submitted and that were selected this year. Um, re they really represent the global voice across the market research space, um, which is super exciting. And then as we look at our board, we've expanded and broadened our board this year to represent really all facets of the industry. So we have full service research, traditional sample providers, programmatic players, um, to really ensure that the voice of the industry is represented when it comes to SampleCon. Um, and one thing that I'm really excited about is our new board chair this year, Seema Vasa with Paradigm Sample. It's exciting to have um, the transition going on that's happening now. So the last of our founding members, um, which were Lightspeed, Lucid, Protege, and Soapbox Sample, will roll off of our board this year. Um, and that was through design by the founding members that SampleCon's board of directors should truly represent the industry and should be ever evolving. And so SEMA has taken the reins this year and we've brought on more people um, 
So Corey Jelseth with JD Power has joined, um, and Adam Jolly with EMI joined this year. And it's an exciting time for us because as we look moving forward, our goal is going to be to continue to have great people on our board who really are the custodians of SampleCon in that conversation and who are driven towards making sure that our industry is healthy and vibrant and um, transparent in in what we do moving forward. So it's a really exciting time for us beyond just looking at the conference in Austin. Yeah, you know, you know I'm always super excited to attend. And I love the fact that you have uh, kind of a rolling board. It just I feel like every year there's like a different a little bit different energy and it kind of grows and it may be because of that rolling board. You have that new perspective, um, new people on it that kind of bring their own, um, bring their own two cents to the conference. Yes. I think it's really true. You know, it's, it, it's interesting when you have eight board members um, and we do have eight board members with very strong opinions, um, which is the way we want it to be. And they each bring their own, their own ideas, their own passions, um, their own industry knowledge. And and so it allows us to really remain dynamic um, and representative of the industry as a whole. Well, I'm uh, a huge Seema Vasa fan. I am sure she's going to do great in that role. And I am super excited about all the topics like gamification. Um, I think that the speaker you have for gamification is going to be fantastic. I love the blockchain. And um, I'm, I'm really, honestly, very excited about the topics. No, I, I think it's going to be great. I got a little preview of the gamification uh, presentation the other day, and it's, it's really interesting and thought-provoking. And I think there's some um, ideas and opportunities in there for, for those who are ready to make that, that jump um, with embracing and trying new things with respondents. Awesome. This is honestly my favorite conference because – we're all kind of on one team to help improve sampling in the industry. And we disagree on things and we talk about tough subjects. And it's one of my favorite things. Well, I'd love to hear that because I think, you know, from SampleCon's perspective, we really want people who come to the conference to walk away with having learned something new, having thought about something in a different way, even if it doesn't change your mindset of how you believe something should be done, at least being open to listening and hearing that. And to knowing that you can debate, you can disagree, and we can still work together as an industry to collaborate in driving forward, helping market, supporting market research and, and better results and in the end, and ultimately a better experience as well for those participating in the research. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, looking back on it, you were, I feel like SampleCon and you are, are kind of somewhat <laughs> personally responsible for the introduction of blockchain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I never heard of blockchain this time a year ago. And by June, it was the number one topic. And everybody in the industry is scrambling to learn more about it. So I'm super excited to hear that you have a couple different blockchain speakers attending. Yeah, you know, we, we really fe felt like the conversation was kind of there at SampleCon last year. And you're correct. By June, it was everywhere. Um, but we ended the year with people still somewhat confused um, a little bit unsure of the impact on their business or and or kind of how it might benefit their business. And so we wanted to bring forward kind of the, the three leading voices in that space to come and talk and help further educate and answer questions and, um, you know, really set the tone for how we can start to think about it and 
you know, potentially embrace blockchain in a different way coming into 2019. Yeah, I think we all kind of scrambled and we're just like, oh my gosh, this is gonna, this is some crazy new technology that's gonna solve all our problems. And now we're starting to get a little more grounded in the <laughs> and starting to move a little bit forward in more of a practical way. So I'm, I'm excited in that. And then you mentioned um, state of sales and the global conversation. So global conversation, is there... Do we have some global participants uh, coming? Yeah. So every year, SampleCon has a portion of our attendees who are global. This year, um, Andrew Cannon with GRBN is going to be joining us again. And he is really going to bring forth some research that he's he's done working with clients and key stakeholders and MR agencies on how to yield better experiences and results in data at the, at the global level. Um, and we believe that this is a conversation we need to be looking at in a new way. We talk about the respondent, but we haven't necessarily as an industry come up with solutions that have really improved that experience. And so Andrew's doing a lot of research on how to start driving that. We have, um, we do have some end consumer brands coming to participate both on the stage and as registrants at the conference, which is always great because it just lends itself to a more in-depth conversation that we can be having. Yeah, so you mentioned a couple of things that I'm super passionate about. One of them is the respondent experience, which I know that most people that go to SampleCon, that's one of their passions is improving the respondent experience. So I love Andrew. He's one of my favorite people. I'm super excited to hear what he has to say. Um, and end clients or brands, um, their participation is so awesome to have. I know you had someone from Dell and a few other people that I spoke to last year. And without them, they really drive a lot of conversation because their voice is, is really what matters, right? Well, it is. And what I find is often eye-opening to that portion of our industry when they come to SampleCon is that they're not always thinking about the the reality that the sample companies are facing in meeting the demands and the expectations that they set forth. And so it really opens up that conversation channel of how we need to look at things differently, what we need to explore, and and the importance of working together to to find solutions. Absolutely. And by the way, I went to the website today as a, I did a little bit of show prep, um, more than usual. <laughs> and I am now winning. I saw it's a little gamified on the website, at least the agenda, and I'm winning the game. So a challenge out to the listeners, try to surpass me. Rachel Altmont's in second place in her own game. Um, the website looks great, by the way. I love the website. I love the format. There's so much on there. And I know you have an app coming out soon as well. Yes. Yeah, so one of the things we're, we're doing, and not just through our app, but also um, at the conference, is we do have a speaker coming who's going to look at gamification and helping us understand that as well and how we engage that. And so we thought tying that back to our new app would be really fun. And I will be coming off of that app. Um, as one of the participants shortly. But, um, you know, it's always fun to provide different ways for people to engage. And we've found software this year that allows people to really be able to network prior to the conference, um, to schedule meetings, to engage with people they might not personally know or have contact information for, and leverage and make the most of those three days that we'll be together in Austin, which is which is always, you know, the biggest benefit, I think, to so many people coming into SampleCon is the volume of conversation and business you're able to compete complete in that very short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. The networking is, a, is obviously a huge part of it. For us, I mean, for our company, we work with 
I don't know, 75% of the people that go there. So it's great to have an opportunity to, to network with them. And this is just another way using the app is to kind of connect with people and seeing who's going to be there and setting up meetings because I don't know about you, Rachel, I'm getting there Saturday, but the conference doesn't start until <laughs> Monday afternoon, but I'll, I'll be getting there. I think a lot of people are getting there early. I mean, what's better yes. Austin in, in February, right? Yeah, so it's going to be great. And we're at the Fairmont um, this year in downtown Austin, which we're thrilled to be partnering with them this year. You know, as as we know, last year they, they had some construction delays, um, but it's a great location. It's a great hotel and it provides a really um, perfect environment for us to be doing what we do at our conference, which is having lots of fabulous content and sessions, as well as lots of space for people to be having the business conversations they need to be having. Um, so it'll be great. And, you know, when you look at who's attending this year, we always get a nice influx of new players in the industry. And it's one of my favorite parts about SampleCon is all how fast we're able to see how our industry is changing, how entrepreneurial we all are, and that SampleCon is able to provide a place for everyone, whether you've been in the industry for 20 or 30 years, or you've been in the industry for, you know, two to three months. It's a great location and event for you to capitalize on on growing your role in that space. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll give you a plug. It's I think if you work in sampling and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do work in sampling. I recommend everybody attend this. You will learn something. And we're all kind of friends and we're all partners and we're all competitors. And somehow it just really works. So kudos to you and um, everyone at SampleCon. Oh, I so appreciate it. We're really excited to be doing our eighth conference in seven years. And it's it gets better every year. Um, so we're excited to have everybody you know, to welcome everybody back to Austin and to really kick off the conversation that is going to drive forward our industry in 2019. Okay. Well, um, are you ready to have some fun? Are we done with the sample con? Let's have some fun. Yes. I love having fun. <laughs> All right. Um, we typically, we haven't done four P's in quite a while. We're going to have a few P's today. Um, we changed kind of the marketing mix P's and we're only going to do a couple, but um, first one, let's do playlist. So what are the last few songs that you listen to, Rachel? So I have no control over what's on my phone anymore music-wise. Um, it's all controlled by, by my two daughters. And so the last three songs we've listened to are Stick It to the Man from School of Rock, <laughs> uh, 2002 by Anne-Marie, and a multitude of Dear Evan Hansen soundtrack songs. Interesting. Well, I have so many follow-ups on just on this. So you, you have two daughters <laughs> and son, right? Yes, I have three children. Um, my son's not as into music. Okay, he just lets his sisters play whatever he wants, whatever they want. Correct. They get to control the radio. Okay. Um, second one is School of Rock. Is that like a band or is that a, a – what is School of Rock? So School of Rock, there is a movie that starred Jack Black in it that is probably, I don't know, 10-plus years old, but they've had a show on Broadway um, that Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote um, that actually closed yesterday. So we took the kids to see it last week, right before they're closing in New York. Okay, awesome. I um, I was asking, I have a 17 year old and he's really, really into music and he is a member. Um, I assume this is goes beyond Cincinnati, but there's School of Rock here locally. It's a business where children can kind of go to and be part of a band and you get lessons and you perform with other people and it's a lot of fun. And after a few months, you get to go out and perform um, kind of at a bar, but it's like, for it's kid friendly. 
um, and, and concert halls. And we just signed him up for that. He's been on doing it off and on for years. But um, I love um, the music aspect of it. And we're lucky. It's like a mile from my house. So I'm a big School of Rock fan. That's awesome. So I think that was actually created out of yeah. this movie, um, interestingly enough. And they just opened up one by us that we're looking at for my youngest because um, she's probably the most musically inclined of the group. But it's I think it's a great idea to expose kids to music, to different instruments, to performing and getting up in front of people and just having all of those confidence skills that then translate outside of being in a band or performing into just the workplace once they become adults. Just so much more confidence and working with others and teamwork. I mean, there's so many lessons. Yes. I totally agree. I'm I'm glad when we agree, Rachel. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I know we haven't had anything to debate on today. I'm sure there'll be something at the Amplicon. (laughs) That's reserved for after a few drinks or right before the conference starts when we're both grumpy. Well, and we've got, you'll, you will love this. Um, one of the new things we have at SampleCon this year is um, we have retired um, our poker tournament and are doing now an after party that is being co-hosted by Protégé and Soapbox Sample. And one of the activities we're going to be offering at the after party this year is um, armadillo racing. Okay. And it's going to be a new experience that um, we've had a great time learning all about armadillos and how you kind of do all of this. And as the gentleman who owns armadillos said to me, it's a great resume builder because it will get you in the door. It may not get you the job, but saying that you're an armadillo handler and race and racer gets you in the door. So um, it should be fun and a really memorable event, which we love. We love creating those moments. Is there wagering on these armadillos? Can we bet on them? We're still working on the gambling aspect of it because I know that that is something that everybody really well, enjoys. So you're combining the protege people and the soapbox sample people. I have a feeling this is a musty <laughs> event based upon the people that work. There. Yes. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> they they love to throw a good party, and it's going to be a it's going to be a really great party on um, Tuesday the twelfth. Um, so we'll have everybody come to happy hour. Everybody can go to dinner, and then they can come back and. And be fully entertained by two great hosts um, and lots of lots of good music and activities to participate awesome. in. Uh, let's move to our next P. This is Person. But today we're going to do top four musicals. You mentioned School of Rock. I'd love to hear <laughs> what your other favorite musicals are. Okay. So my absolute favorite musical is Rent. Um, I was being, I was talking to friends the other day and I think I've seen it 12 times. Um starting with the original cast on Broadway. So that is like my all-time favorite. Um, I love the music of Hamilton, and we're going to get to see it in March, uh, which we're really, really, everybody's really excited about. Um, I thought Les Mis is just an old, goodie but oldie that just kind of withstands time. Um, and then I really did enjoy School of Rock and seeing a show that was dominated by kids on the stage. It was really exciting to see That's that. That's a pretty good list. If I had to come up with a list, I would. I think there should be a musical of Purple Rain by Prince, first of all. That would be an amazing musical. <laughs> obviously a huge Prince fan. And The Wiz. How do you feel about The Wiz, Rachel? Oh, you know, I like The Wiz, but I love The okay. Wizard of Oz. So I have a hard time. Um, when I switched, but I loved, I've never seen the Wiz on stage. I've only seen the movie and the talent in that movie was just spectacular. Now I, yes. Now the one musical I'm not sure about is there is a King Kong musical on Broadway right now. And I'm just 
not sold that that would be money money that I would want to spend. Did you say King Lear or King Kong? King King Kong. Oh my gosh! All right. <laughs> I'm not a big musical fan, by the way, but I have seen some. I saw a Book of Mormon. Um, I've seen Lion King. Those were awesome. I thought, um, but again, there's mm-hmm. gonna be a Purple Rain one. I, I am surprised, actually, that there isn't. Um, and maybe somebody's going to take your idea and create it. I know. Once again, I have a good idea. <laughs> I'm going to take it. Well, Rachel, um, Rachel, thank you so much. Um, if you're listening to this, please book your trip to SampleCon. It's February 11th through 13th um, in Austin, Texas. Get on a plane right now. Um, um, Rachel, tell us more. How to you get more information about SampleCon? So the best place to get information about SampleCon is through our website, which is www.samplecon.com. And from there, it will give you registration, sponsorship, agenda information, and lead you straight to our app um, so that you can get into the game and compete to beat Brian in our gamification for this year. Um, And also, people should always feel free to reach out and talk to any of our board members. Um, All eight of our board companies are very involved in the industry and very involved in ensuring that there's an open dialogue that's happening with around SampleCon. Um, And those companies are Paradigm Sample, Maru Blue, EMI Research Solutions, Ipsos, Lucid, JD Power, Protege, and Scent. And all of them can be found on our website and would love to have conversations with everybody about what's going on in the industry. They're obviously very passionate about this. So thank you so much, Brian. Thank you, Rachel. And I can't wait to give you the hug. And I can't wait to hear stories about how these eight people don't get along (laughs) behind the scenes. I can't wait to hear it. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Rachel. Now, joining us on the podcast is Tanya Farrar. Tanya, hello. Hi, Brian. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. Great weather. Good day. It's all good. It's all good. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. I've known you for a long time, and I love what you're doing with Wire, so I'm super excited to talk to you today. I am too. Um, First question for you, we ask this of most guests, is typically people don't have a traditional start in the marketing research. They kind of find themselves into this career. How did you kind of get your start in marketing research? I think everybody has a very interesting story for sure. Um, mine starts with, you know, I've, I was already graduating from my business degree and I was living in Costa Rica at the time. And I had a very good friend of mine call me and say, I just turned down this job in market research that I think you would be perfect for. And I said, okay. So I took the interview and I got the job, you know, that she didn't want. So I think I lucked out. (laughs) Um, I don't know what she's doing now, actually. But, um, you know, it was it was very interesting because, you know, it certainly fits within marketing. I just I never imagined that asking questions could be so fun. And, you know, when you were doing research back in that time in Costa Rica, it was door to door research. So I got exposure to some things that I don't think a lot of people get exposure to, like actual stratified sampling, building a, a sample from, you know, maps oh, wow. and nth door type of interviewing. And, you know, it was great. It was great fun. And I think I learned from some really good researchers at the time who had to be super scrappy yep. in doing what they did. So that's that's kind of how I got started. And then I when I moved to Cincinnati, I, I, I connected with Burke right after my MBA. And um, I'm, here I am. <laughs> okay. I bet you still use those stories from Costa Rica from time to time, don't you? Oh, there's there's a lot of them, yeah. yeah uh, from 
yeah, there's there a lot of good good ones and some scary ones too. Yeah, you know, where you had to pay off people to get into certain parts of, oh, yeah. like El Salvador when there was a civil war going oh, on. Oh my gosh. Really scary. I, not quite as interesting as your background, but I was a telephone interviewer in Lexington, Kentucky, and um, I did telephone research in mall intercepts. And I, I think about those days all the time, and I think it really helps us as researchers when you get to do those things. Do you agree? Yes. Yes, it does. Um, there's nothing like the rejection that you get from people on the phone oh, yeah. <laughs> when you try to do interviewing. It really hardens yeah. you. And, you know, it's, it's a fun job, but it, it's a difficult, very, very difficult job to, to engage people for, for what we need to do. Absolutely. So, you know, you, you kind of translate that into all other forms yes. of, of touch points that you have with respondents in different ways and try to be mindful of, of time and you know, how you structure your questions. So yeah, it certainly comes in very awesome. handy. And now you're at Burke. What are you doing at Burke these days? Well, right now I'm in client service management, uh, which is a new role for me uh, just in the last couple of years. I've, I've kind of progressed through different phases of my Burke life, um, starting out as an account manager um, when I first joined Burke and then uh, was most recently an account executive. And then kind of took a little turn into research innovation for a few years, came back into the account role, but as a manager in client services. And so now I have a team of really bright people that I get to lead and help um, as they do wonderful work for for the clients um, who come to Burke. And so I get to watch people um, who are new to this job, people who have been doing this for 30 years or more. And um, I get to still learn every day from, from everybody on the team. And I, I hope I'm contributing to their success in small ways and bigger ways um, when it's Well, when I'm it's sure you are. And, um, you know, Burke obviously has one of the strongest names in the industry. So um, I'm happy for you in that role. I'm sure you're doing great in that role. I'm loving it. Every day is um, an unexpected uh, yeah, box of surprises. <laughs> well, I want to change directions here and talk about Wire, but um, I'm going to tie it into your current role. You kind of have some news. I don't know if you're ready to announce it, but that's somewhat related to Wire. Is that? Can you share that? Burke has news. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, actually, just hot off the the, the, the market research news. You're, you're reading. You're Show reading. Prep. I'm impressed. Um, yeah. We, we I'm, I am so excited that we can now publicly talk about this. Um, Diane Surrett has assumed the role of president CEO of Burke, or will be assuming it as, as soon as Jeff retires on October 1st. Jeff Miller has been our CEO for the past 10 years, and he's done a wonderful, wonderful job. Um, and, you know, he, he's allowed to retire. <laughs> uh, but in his place, Diane Surrett is going to be, you know, joining the, the illustrious um, wall of presidents. And if you can imagine, Imagine this wall of presidents. There are, I think there are 11 presidents with her included. I have to go back and count. But the first one was Alberta Burke. And then it was, you know, very illustrious men along the way. And so she's the, the first woman since Alberta to hold the title of president and CEO. And she's a very capable, strong, uh, inspiring leader already in our organization. And so I'm just really excited because I think it, it's a great transition. And she's going to do a great job of leading Burke into the next phase of whatever, you know, uh, the next few years look like. We've been around for 87 years. And so um, the leadership has right. been very strong or we wouldn't be here. And I think she's going to carry that mantle in the best way possible. And so it's exciting. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you read that because it's, it's, it's super interesting, right? Women in research. And we, we see a very 
um, there, I mean, we have a lot of women in our industry and very strong women at that. So that's just a great example of, of, of leadership positions that are being absolutely. I know. Like that I don't area. know Jeff very well, but I've met him a couple of times. I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's super smart and I'm not just a nice guy. Also, he's just been awesome for our industry. Yes. And I don't know Diane, but I know that she's been on the board of a couple of institutions, including Georgia, where I went to school. So I'm mm-hmm. um, super excited to see what mm-hmm. she brings to Burke. I'm, I'm, that's awesome. Yeah. And so speaking yeah, of women in research, um, I know that you are leading the Cincinnati chapter of Wire. We have an event coming up. I would love to know maybe how you got started with that and um, an event that we have next week. Yeah, uh, Wire, you know, has been around for a little while. Um, and, you know, one one conference uh, not too long ago, a, a couple of colleagues of mine, um, Melinda Smith, Morero, um, and Sarah Faulkner, we were just chatting about the fact that you know, we didn't have a chapter in Cincinnati and that seemed unfathomable. You know, it's just like well, Cincinnati is such a great research city, you know, and, 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 and there are so many research companies that have a significant presence. And, and you know, we have a, a very long history, I, I'd like to say, and I think I might be right by saying that market research actually started as a discipline in Cincinnati through the work that Proctor did back in the day. So you know, it's a, it's a, it was a missing piece. And we decided that we would fill that gap. So we got to work and Melinda led the chapter for a little while, then she moved to Atlanta, and uh, she passed the reins over to me last um, last winter, not to 2017, actually, uh, January 2017. No, January 2018. Yeah. So I've been I've been leading the group for the last year or so, and a part of it for for two years or so. And so we're we're excited because um, we're getting more sponsors. EMI is a sponsor. We're so happy to have you guys on board. It allows us to do uh, bigger events, and the one coming up next week um, with MRMW conference coming to town was really you know credit to Brian Peterson and his suggestion to tie it to the conference and building the connections between uh, our chapter here in Cincinnati and the organizers of the event. So that's gone very smoothly, and we are are you know hosting a cocktail networking hour. Actually, it's two hours from. 68 on uh, Wednesday, April 10th next week. Um, it's at Americano Bar downtown, right around the corner from where the conference is being held at the Hilton. And we're, we're expecting a nice crowd. We think we have room for about 100. And last count, we were at about 90 people. So you know, the, the, it's filling up quick. If you're thinking of joining, it, now's the time to sign up. Uh, we'll certainly have a, a, you know, a waiting list if, if anybody wants to come in. Some people you know, might have some challenges getting there. But um, we hope to get as many people as we can and, and enable some really good connections. Yeah, awesome. I, um, uh, for, I mentor for a couple of, of students. And I always recommend one of the first things that you do if you're a female or even if you're a male entering our industry is to join WIRE because there's so many events. It's free to join and the networking opportunities are amazing. I'm a big fan. I actually went to the mm-hmm. event in Chicago this week at Quirks and I met um, one of the sponsors of this Cincinnati event. I met the oh, Multicultural Connections people. They are awesome. Yeah, multi, sorry, multilingual connections. Sorry, um, uh, multilingual sponsoring connections. The Chicago yes. event as well as this event, and they were great people. And I thank them for sponsoring. They thanked us for sponsoring. It was one big happy family in Chicago. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Jill Bishop, she's amazing. Um, we've we're excited to connect her to different people here in town um, when she comes and uh, you know just participates uh, yeah, with the conference and, and our, and our wire event. So, so yeah, I'm glad you got to meet her. Um, the networking ability uh, that this provides. So. Um, I, w- I don't think I'm going to be there. I'm going to maybe I'll show up at the last minute if anybody cancels. I might see you there. We'll see. 
Okay. <laughs> um, and so that's Wednesday, that the 11th that at 6 to 8 at, our, at Americano. The 10th. Sorry, it's the 10th. When, awesome. Wednesday, the 10th of April at Americano Bar from 6 to 8. Um, okay. So we'll all be let's there. Let's move on to a fun and, question or two. It should be a fun, should um, be a fun event. Let's see. Is there – well, we do, typically we do the four Ps, um, which are kind of the marketing four Ps, but sometimes we only do one or two. For this one, mm-hmm. I'd love to know about – and I kind of know you, so I have a feeling you'll have a good answer to that. Um, something people don't know about you or a hidden talent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it's a work-related talent, I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I And I didn't know I had a, a talent oh, until somebody pointed like it out. But sense. apparently I have eyes and ears in the back of my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I can – so I can write and spin plates at the same time. So, no, um, I, I, I don't know how, but I, I like facilitating discussions. And I didn't realize how difficult it can be for some folks to write down on a flip chart – listen to what the discussion is and be a part of that and, you know, ask questions and probe and, and basically make the connections as you go. So, you know, I have to have eyes and ears <laughs> in the back of my head at all times. The and, dogs and your uh, that comes in yeah. handy, you know, at home as well. <laughs> and in other settings and in other settings. But yeah, I, I, I discovered that one at work. Um, I think so. And I, I'm I don't know if it's much talent, of a talent so. to speak to, but it's come in handy. <laughs> well, Tanya, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. You're one of my favorite people in research. So thank yeah, you so much fun. for coming on and thanks for all that you're doing for wire uh, it's a nonprofit, so it's it's not your day job and i you know on behalf of emi and all of us thank you so much joining us now is priscilla mckinney ceo and mama bird of little bird marketing priscilla how are you i'm great it's good to talk to you guys i'm so excited and it's so great to hear this voice again and like i actually get to talk to you because a lot of times I'm talking to you, but you're talking to somebody else when I'm listening I, to your podcast. Oh, well, that's nice. I'm, glad, I'm glad you listen to my podcast. I think we, we throw enough jokes back and forth about each other's podcast. I think it's all fair. It's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, well, thanks for coming on. And really, we just opened trying to, you know, let our audience learn a little bit more about you and trying to, um, we're all about just increasing the podcast uh, community because I think that's been uh, market research and, and was a little bit slow to that. Um, and so as much as we can do to try to get more people to start listening in, because this, I think that podcast and, and blogs are really the way that our industry is going to learn more and, and, and going to start making more decisions and, and really going to be a driver of the industry. So, uh, I recommend to everyone I run into, uh, run across to listen to Seamus podcast, Jamin's podcast and your podcast as well. Oh, um, thanks. yeah. So, so tell me, how did you get your start in agency work? Oh, I wish it were such a sexy story. It's yeah. not. <laughs> Can I make up one that sounds yeah, really just, sexy? Just make one up. I was hit by the train, and the train driver was J.W. Thompson. No, I just was faced with, you know, a pink slip at the end of a, like, a great job that I had, and I was, you know, holding my infant daughter and, you know, just, gosh, man, what am I going to do? And uh, I just, you know, I ended up starting my first uh, company. I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I ended up starting my first company. And then as things progressed, the reality in there is uh, a long story short is I kept doing marketing, even in this non-marketing job that I had. And every time I would come home happy, I would talk about what I did in the day. And it was my husband who finally called it out and be like, you know, I can tell you did marketing again today. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You know, and then I got an opportunity to um, kind of take over a, a small marketing firm from uh, a friend. I bought her leasehold improvements and just kind of took, 
you know, started going that direction. But then the big next step in mind of what really solidified it and had me really start my own proper agency was after uh, three weeks after the uh, F5 tornado here in Joplin, um, three weeks later, my creative studio burned to the ground. And I was really faced with the, but what do I want? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. what's my dream and what what would the whole thing just if i just really waved a magic wand what would it look like and that's where little bird marketing came from oh that's so awesome so so you start how long ago was did you start little bird i think we're at year 10 really <laughs> i can't like really pick my head up right this minute because you know to think about it too much because we're yeah. just you know all hands on deck and such the best, best way with just amazing people. But I, I think we better not ignore it. I think it's this uh, November. So. Well, geez, what, what's kind of, what's been like the biggest evolution or, or as Little Bird has grown or, or what was like some of the key moments there for you? Well, you know how people say, you know, about, you know, get outside of your comfort zone and all that bull crap. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I like those cliches. It's okay. Good. Yeah. I believe in playing to your strengths. What's wrong with being super comfortable and super strong in something that you do and not apologizing for who you are and how you see things? And I'm not saying don't go beyond if there's a real reason to, you know, go out and learn something. I'm not I'm not saying that. But I think it's about like, you know, even what I said about being a digital agency in Joplin, Missouri at the time I did. I mean, I got so freaking laughed at. And I even remember someone saying, oh, there's no way businesses would pay you to do social media. Yeah. <laughs> now it was like right. the funniest thing. You know, people call us now and just be like, oh, we have 30000 a month to spend on social media. Can you help us organize it? You know, yeah. you know? and I just, I just kind of think it's so funny. So if I had listened to those kinds of people, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I wasn't good at the things that the traditional agencies were doing. That wasn't I. And so you could say, well, get out of your comfort zone, learn what they do. You know, no, I, 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 that's not, that's not where my intuition was leading me at all. I'm so glad you say that. And cause I think that's a thing that, um, particularly in sales or sales driven organizations that sell it a lot, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable, get out of your comfort zone. And I've always thought that, um, it's bogus. And I think it's an ADD cliche, you know, <laughs> totally. probably the first person that said that probably had a new mantra the next yeah. month, you know, or, yeah. um, and I'm so happy you said that. Cause I really do think there is a, there is something to it. And you start to see this now in all industry and where people aren't painting with broad strokes anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's the kind of like leads me to my next question is because I think when you, when you have something, you, you have a streak that you're good at, and this is one of the first words I think about when I think about you and Ashley and others at Little Bird is, you know, passion. And so um, you, when you have something that you're particularly good at and you're playing to your strengths, you're able to show off your passion more. And so what brings you the most passion from Little Bird? Gosh, you know, it, it, for me personally, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I like to, I like to make money. <laughs> And, you know, it's so, you know, nobody nobody wants to admit it or it, it seems so lowbrow to say that my passion is making money, but it is. And my passion is making money for other people. And, of course, I want, you know, my passion along the way is to have, bring amazing people along with me. And, and, and certainly culture here at Little Bird stands out. It was absolutely important to me at the beginning, absolutely equally important right now. But at the end of the day, when you think about what is that passion that's driving us, I want to spend the time that we spend here making money for ourselves and making money for our clients. And if we're not making money, why are we doing marketing? 
Right. Oh, yeah. That's huge. <laughs> well, I think people are afraid to say that, though, sometimes, you know, like, yeah. like we're yeah. supposed to be nonprofit and what we do. <laughs> I am not nonprofit personally, and I don't think anybody else should be. <laughs> <laughs> so and you and I talk about this a lot with, you know, salespeople and dynamic, you know, you and I are both, you know, dying the wool salespeople. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's about connecting. And I'm passionate about people, but I'm also passionate about like telling people what I need to get what I want and giving people space to tell me what they need so oh, yeah. they can get what they want. And then I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, that's so easy. I could get that for you. Right. right. And then they go, oh yeah, but the thing you just said, that's so easy for me. I'm like, trade you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am really passionate about these win-win situations that bring people more revenue quickly. And then we can spend more time at home, spend more time with our right. friends, spend more time, whatever it is you guys. The reason why you work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, I, I'm not ashamed of that at all. And I, I deeply want to be a part of a partnership with a client where we look back and we just, we kind of look back and we're like, oh my gosh, how did we make that much money? Oh, remember when we had this idea and this, and we, and then we reverse engineered it. And then we were like, oh my gosh, this could work. And then we tested it. And, you know, I, yeah. that vision, you know, I get passionate about that, about that future, thinking about that future with the, with the next client. Priscilla, this is Brian. And I have a, a comment and then a question. First of all, I love your podcast. And this is going to sound really weird, but one of the things I love most about your podcast is the blog that you summarize your podcast with. <laughs> like you're, you can tell you're a really good marketer because you like tell a story in the blog to talk about your podcast. And I think that's outstanding. That's, I mean, that's, that's, um, that's not easy to do. But my question, you said, um, you said earlier about kind of being yourself. And that's that's funny that you say that because I've been reading a book. It's called Freak Factor. Do you know Dave Randolph Freak Factor? I don't. I don't. I'll jot it down though. Okay. It's um it's a book about how he says people should kind of what we do, I think, as individuals is we try to we try to minimize our weaknesses and um, the things that kind of make us quirky or unique. And he says the opposite, that people should go out and kind of flaunt uniqueness and embrace it. And it's really who you are and that you'll be happier. And that's kind of what, like, when you talk about your agency and yourself and what you've done, that sounds like what you're doing is that I feel like you're pretty confident in yourself. And that that's one of the reasons you're a serial entrepreneur. You can play by your own rules. Yeah. And you can kind of embrace yourself. Is that a fair? Is that a kind of a fair um, representation? Okay. I, that's totally true. But now, you know, and, you know, and my mom finally confessed that she listened to a podcast of mine, so I'm really worried. But <laughs> I'm the fifth of five girls. I grew up in, in uh, like, my formative years in Europe. You know, we, my, we were missionary kids. You know, we, I moved almost every year of my life. Um, I went to, you know, four high schools in three different countries. I went to boarding school in Germany. Oh I mean, I like <laughs> if you want to talk about a freak factor, there's a lot of things that I've done. Um, I, you know, grew up, you know, doing, um, yes, puppet shows. OK, there's puppetry in my past. OK, so <laughs> if you don't embrace some of this freak factor, then you really are going to be questioning what is going on in the world. And I will say one other piece of that. I'm I very much embrace it. But I think also you have to think about being fifth of five girls. I'm kind of a part of a built in gang. And right. I kind of don't care what you think, because I have a deep sense of belonging that was really built in. And so I got an unfair advantage in that. And so I could be weird and I could maximize <laughs> that because I could always go home to this gang. 
you know? Um, so I think it's very hard for people to go out there and kind of own sometimes of their little bit of their freakishness. But for me, I got a couple of unfair advantages that I, I really do appreciate. No, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you are you excited about the puppetry? <laughs> yeah, well, I love I love when people when we get stuff out of people when we're talking to them. Like, do we get the unique items that make you who you are? And that's what kind of makes you who you are. And that's why I think you're successful. Is that all of those things that happened in your past, you've kind of applied them to your present day and to your business and your. I mean, it's just your passion. Just like Adam said, your passion really comes out of it. Oh well, thanks. I appreciate that. I like I just like sitting around, you know, at the conferences and uh, shooting the shit <laughs> with you guys. Really. <laughs> <laughs> and you know how I feel about puppets. Here's a funny story. So yesterday I was at a, we had a sample con board meeting retreat mm-hmm. and we had to talk about like some, like a small talent that we have and I can do every Muppet voice. And so <laughs> it was, that was the thing that I had to give. And so it felt really awesome sitting at a board table with like Seema and Rob Berger, like all these people that have like been mentors to me and respect yeah. and I'm doing cookie monster voice. That's awesome. felt great. <laughs> I could be myself. That was my free plug. Yeah. Okay. I le- I'm well. I'm. It's good to be home, guys. Priscilla, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so talk to me a little bit about uh, Ponders from the Perch. Uh, I love the podcast. I love how uh, I, I love like the the Wire series as well that you've done. Uh, those type of things. What? How did it come about? Um, tell us more about it. Um, what are kind of your plans for this podcast? Well, we're we're nearing. We're somewhere in between 150 and 200 episodes. We're somewhere oh. there. <laughs> and I remember the day when I used to do everything. I remember even back in my house when I had the mic and I put my pillows up and I'm like, you know, and I'd record. Yeah. And now I have a legit studio with you know soundproof walls and like, and I have assistants who do it. And you like just talked about like the cool write ups that I do, which by the way I don't do. And (laughs) all these things, but it came from a vision originally. And it kind of, what you say is from a real passion is from just like, I want to do this. And for a year, you know, like I think the first two years, I mean, I didn't make any money on my podcast and, and really I don't have my podcast monetized in the sense that people talk about, you know, the podcast monetization. That's not my, that's not my goal to it. That's happened naturally because I've had people sponsor and have those kinds of things. But my passion was to really just share my knowledge and to talk a little bit about what you call my freak factor. I wanted to tell people my story, how I see things, you know, differently. And I first started talking with just, you know, my producer and we would talk back and forth, kind of how you guys do, you know, with each other. And I liked that dialogue. You guys have a good synergy, and so it works. But really, I it, it finally occurred to me that this was such a door to get to talk to people and learn from people that really in other instances probably might not give me the time of day. And I saw it as a vehicle to start making connections. And when you ask me what I'm passionate about, yeah, I'm passionate about making money and stuff, but uh, like my natural strengths are connecting people. And just being curious about people. And I do have a degree in cultural anthropology, which is why I get all you weird market research people. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it, it morphed into this things like, oh, my gosh, this is such a great way for me to talk out loud and really give people an interesting little window kind of to peek in. And, oh, what is it like if these two people talk? She's an expert in this, but he's an expert in that. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? And this very open and vulnerable and, you know, just no ego way of going about conversation intrigues me and that's what I like to listen to and so that's what it what it became wow that's huge it's a great story 
How do well, our podcasts you know. start? <laughs> I think we just like sat around and hey, we're like, hey, we should start recording these. That's <laughs> right. what happened. Good. But, you know, I, I'm, of course, my whole, you know, company is an inbound content marketing right. company, and it is such a successful way to build content. You know, Brian, you just talked about how you love how I take the podcast and then I break it up into a lot of other things. That's my whole Thanksgiving turkey concept, you know, is that, yeah, that's fine. Once a year, go around and like make this beautiful Thanksgiving turkey, even put those little fancy, we're going to have to go look up what those little fancy feet, like little chef hat things that go on the end of turkeys are called. Right. <laughs> we'll yeah, look that up. But I mean, make it really beautiful. But my gosh, don't throw it out. Make you're going to have turkey sandwiches tomorrow. You're going to have turkey soup the day after you're going to use the bone for stock. I mean, all this kind of stuff. Don't do something in content if you're not going to use it, you know, 10 ways till Sunday. That's great. That's great. Uh, Priscilla, we wanted to give you a chance to do a research rant. Do you have a rant? I do. I'm sorry. You've met yeah. me before. Of course yeah. I have a rant. Opinion. Oh, you know, I talk on it all the time and I say it so nicely everywhere else, but you guys said I could rant. So I'm just going to take the gloves off and just get nasty. Go ahead. Let's do it. I'm so sick and tired of market research firms who don't do market research on themselves. Oh, it's true. Oh. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Oh, and it's not, you know, to me, it's the, totally the cobbler's kids have no shoes. And, you know, like just even talking just a minute ago about, you know, why I created this podcast and I started blogging at a time before I had a successful agency. I was such a rinky-dink agency. But I, I believed in what I knew. And I knew that this is the best practice is that you create quality content, and then you build the expert, you show your expertise, you learn through it, you, all this kind of stuff. So we started with Little Bird Marketing as our first client. And we like, and I honestly think if there's one thing that attributes is, is uh, you know, the, the cause of the root of, of, of our success is because I always took that very serious from the beginning. And so this idea, I, I really believe in it. And even on our Trello boards that are, you know, we manage 95 different, you know, companies and their content and everything. I, I, but one of those boards is Little Bird Marketing. It has due dates. It has, you know, it has, these are the three blogs a month that are going out. The keywords are already done. That you know, All those things were done in March, you know, by March for the whole year. All of our social media posts, you know, you don't get to like over a thousand social media posts you know, for the year that are done and graphic and hashtagged and strategized and, you know, and, and scheduled by just kind of doing it haphazard as you go along. And so my brand is, gosh, people, please, if your expertise is market research, can you please turn it on yourself a little bit and be curious about what is your customer experience and what do people think about what you do? And couldn't you actually use that then to turn around and write really good content because now you truly know something deeper about who you are as a company. That's awesome. That might be okay, the I, now <laughs> for the rest of that was really good. For the rest of the con- of the conference, uh, you know, season, I'm going to be really nice and say it very nicely from the stage. <laughs> <laughs> I like the angry way. I, I I that. That's what I want to hear it. I did drop the F-bomb at IIEX Austin, and someone walked up to me and said, and now I want to work with you. There you go. <laughs> Good stuff. But it's so weird, right? Because yeah. when you think about, not weird, which is yeah. not our industry. Our industry would like to, it's Navy yes. Blazers khaki pants. 
It's like it, yeah. it is very so vanilla with everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Priscilla. <laughs> um, so let's jump into our fun stuff. And this is our version of the marketing for P's. And the first P that we talk about, and this is really just to find out a little bit more personal about you. Uh, the first one's playlist. Um, what are the last three songs or last three artists that you've listened to? Okay. I was gonna I was being fair when you sent this question to me and I was like, okay. I'm not gonna cheat. I'm just gonna go look up what it was. So I on my playlist, the last two things I listened to were was uh, Everglow by Coldplay, which I freaking love that song. And I listened to uh last night Bruce Coburn's Lord of the Starfield. And, okay. uh, and just before I came to the podcast, I told, uh, I'm like, I remembered listening to those last night and I told Leighton, I said, what were we just listening to right before I came into the booth? And he goes, oh yeah, that you, you it's, it's fancy pants Thursday today at Little Bird Marketing. So <laughs> we only listen to, um, to classical music. And so as I walked into the office and came into the podcast studio, Hayden's, uh, cello sonata number one was playing. So that's the last thing I listened to. Fancy Pants Thursdays? Why aren't we doing this? That's awesome. I know. You got you to gotta buy some Fancy Pants. Quit wearing khakis. What it is, right? Yeah. That's funny. Yesterday, I got into an Uber from Midtown Manhattan, went to JFK Airport, and it was it's United Nations Week in New York, so it took us an hour and a half to get to the airport. And the Uber driver, number one, did not say one word to us. Number two, he played classical music for an hour and a half Whoa. in the middle of the day. Like, who does that? It was kind of cool. I'm like, so, is hey, he hiring? Uh, yeah, my fancy pants, finer things, whatever. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of bow ties going along, going on, you know, on Fancy Pants Thursday. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> That's good. Uh, next P is pages. So, what is a book you would recommend that uh, that people listening should read? Okay, well, I, I recommend, and I, you know, I have gone back now so many times to Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. I find it so interesting. And it is such a great read for entrepreneurs, founders, you know, people moving a company forward in the most interesting way. It's curious. And I think it's about it. it, Maybe he wouldn't even probably say this, but I think it's about humility. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's about understanding that you probably got a um, less than fair shake in the sense that you got more than you should (laughs) have. And that's what I mean by less than fair. (laughs) It's not fair. We got so much. And, you know, I think it's instead of this, I don't really like, you know, the American society that like really glorifies the entrepreneur and they came from nothing and then they climbed the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) It's crap, you know, and it makes you start thinking as a CEO and, you know, as, as success builds on success, which my husband always says success you know, favors the organized and luck favors the organized. And I, I believe that. And But you can also get lulled into this thinking like you're some superhuman. You're not. And you need people. And I think Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell is a really good way to constantly ground you. And in fact, I just wrote a blog about it that was pretty heartfelt, which Adam, you actually sent yeah. me an email about it. And you're yeah. like, I liked it. I'm loved like, it. well, I loved it. Yeah. you know, it just goes to show you, you know, when you sit down and really r- take the time to write, um, you know, be vulnerable and really truth, you know, people actually listen to it. And, you know, when it's good content, it's just good content. But my little cheater one, that's just what I think everybody should read is my, my little, what do you, what do you call that? Like your um, indulgence? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I reread Franny and Zoe by J.D. Salinger all the really? time. Yeah. <laughs> all so the time. That's awesome. <laughs> it's like my treat to myself. That's good. That, that, yeah, that is a nice indulgence there. 
Uh, let's talk about Nexus Perform. So what is something that people don't know about you? Do you have like a hidden talent? Well, see, when people used to say that to me, I, I used to say that, you know, I love, I'm an auto harp enthusiast, but now I, you know, on my podcast, I play, play it in my opening line and people know this about me, but here's an actual talent. I can say the alphabet backwards. Really? I can. It's a pretty good talent. It, wh- wh- why would someone teach themselves that? Is it because <laughs> you drink and drive? Drink a lot? And drive? <laughs> You know, that's funny that you think that's where it came from. But did you hear did you hear my first thing that reference where I grew up in church and with you know puppetry and flannel graphs and things like this and they always teach you crazy stuff like this? And that's 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 got Sunday school written all over it. (laughs) It is. That makes sense. That's cool. Uh, our last piece is people, and this is where we do our mountain. You're not gonna make me do it. You are not gonna make me do it. If someone came on my podcast and said they could do that, I would not let them get off without proving it. I'll let you show off. Let's All go. Right. We'll time you. Go. This is good. All right. This is part. This should be under freak factor. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Point <Okay>. number 12. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J. Uh, oh, K-J. Oh, I-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. Oh my gosh. Even with the pause, it was amazing. Okay. I had to, you know, that's I do kind of trip up on that little piece. So but uh, yeah. So I like to do it frontwards. Is it frontwards? <laughs> yeah, frontwards. frontwards. That's good. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you guys want to hang out with me anymore now that oh, we've gotten no, through all the great parlor tricks. Uh, our last B is people. This is where we do our Mount Rushmore. Um, this is usually a top four of something. It could be anything. And you sent over yours that you wanted to do a Mount Rushmore of museums. So this yeah. is trying to make us a little bit more highbrow. Yeah. Okay. I like. Well, I, well, you haven't heard what museums I go to oh, yet. True. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. I've been seeing it a lot. Oh, yeah. Come on. Uh, well, the first one, I think you guys are going to like this. And I do, you know, I am on the road a lot. And for all those fellow road warriors out there. It's one of my little tricks about how I get into town and I make sure that that's a treat that I get to do something unusual. And I know there's always the same ones that are there, MoMA, which all of them are important and, you know, national galleries and stuff. I love them. It's it's not that I don't love them, Um, but I'm always looking for something different, something unique. And so um, one of my favorites in London is the Hunterian Museum. And I I say this right now, but it's temporarily closed for just a little bit. But you have to go next time. So IIEX is going to be in London. I'm trying to think of when uh, somewhere like, you know, you got to think through (laughs) what's the next business trip that's coming there. But it is a museum of anatomical specimens and surgical instruments throughout time. What? Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not joking. It's so excellent. It's called the Hunterian, H-U-N-T-E-R-I-A-N. It is so worth it. It's in in London. And I mean, yeah. So top four. Do you see? Huh? Okay. That's pretty good. Okay. Elevator Museum in New York. You were just there. Oh, you didn't go? I did not. I was going to go to the, the there's a, um, like, illusion museum I was went to. But no. <laughs> Oh, okay. oh my gosh, that's crazy. Okay, now now I'm worried about you, but that's cool. <laughs> uh, I'm going to Boston to co-chair for uh, IIEX, and I have not been to this one yet, but it's on my list. It's the Isabella Gardner Museum, and I'm pretty excited, so it's going to be really good. And uh, then Green Books IIEX is in Amsterdam next year, and I'm going to the Museum of Bags and Purses. Whoa! <laughs> 
That's a great museum. So I, you know, but, you know, I don't know how you top. I I was really, you know, it was really hard to, you know, pick four because, you know, have you guys ever been to the Museum of Ice Cream? Where's that? Well, they used to have it in Miami, but they don't anymore. But there's one in San Francisco still. Museum of Ice Cream? Oh, yeah. I highly recommend it. Mount Rushmore worthy, man. That was Mount Rushmore. She killed it. Definitely. What do you have, Brian? I have a few. And since I changed mine all up based upon hers, I thought she was going to go like straight Sure. Blah, 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 Louvre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I there, just, done that. <laughs> um, I once, when I lived, in, I lived in New York, I went to, there's a museum of sex. So I'll just yeah. go and say it. it's really interesting, like the history of sex, number one. Number two, um, in Cincinnati, next time you're here, there's the American Sign Museum. Oh, great museum. Which yeah. has Ooh, just old signs. I really sign, like that. And the third one, I'm only going to tell you this one because I have a story around it. The Museum of Natural History. I got there. I went there right after I got engaged. I got engaged in New York about five years ago. I went there, and I have a 17-year-old. At the time, I guess he was like 13, 12 or 13, and he was hangry. We were all hangry at the Mm -hmm. Museum of Natural History. And during this museum, he stopped believing in dinosaurs. He thought everything in this museum was fake. Whoa. So we had to like, we were like, oh, there's a big fight and like, this is real. And like, the people, you know, so we had, I had to storm out there with the Shake Shack. Really? Yeah. <laughs> there's okay. mine. I, I love these origin stories that really just all, right. all start at Shake Shack. Okay. First time at Shake Shack. And then I almost got to fight at Shake Shack. But that's, that's for a different Mount Rushmore. Right. Okay. We should all have our, we should all have our, our Shake Shack story. Adam and I went to Shake Shack in New York. We did go to Shake Shack in New York. I went to Shake Shack at Atlanta airport yesterday. Oh, wow. It was, it was not good. (laughs) This, this segment's been brought to you by Shake Shack. Right. Yeah. Work on that one. (laughs) Um, I'll just list a couple that I have. Uh, Indianapolis Children's Museum. Yeah, that's so good. Unbelievable Children's Museum. My yeah. kids love that place. Um, hey, did they have you? Do you remember like when we were kids? And okay, I might date myself here, but at children's museums, they always had like a corner of like with a wheelchair and crutches and you like these kinds of things like that you could try. And do do you remember that or am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. It was like, what does it feel like to be disabled? And every kid had to feel it. I, and I would think there was do a that flight. today. Yeah. They need to go put those in adult <laughs> museums. I would right. do that again. It's so interesting. I, I agree. Um, By the way, I have that museum is amazing, and it's 50 times better than the Cincinnati Children's Museum. 100 mm. times better, yeah. Um, I also put uh, the Center of Science and Industry in Columbus, Ohio. Cosi. Cosi. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I've been there. I used to live in Columbus. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, I've been to Cosi many times. I love so um, I went. We went uh, two months ago. I think me uh, and my children went up to see a uh, an exhibit they had that was dedicated to Jim Henson. Oh wow! Speaking mm-hmm. of Muppets, right? <laughs> and so it went everything from like the beginning of Kermit the Frog all the way to like Dark Crystal, and it was mm-hmm. awesome. That's cool. And so Fraggle Rock was right in the middle oh, yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Fraggle yeah. Rock, Muppet Come Babies, on. Muppet Show. Those are also hidden talents. We could just all sit around and sing the Fraggle Rock song. Um, I had to, I put Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, uh, just because it's an experience just to get to Cooperstown. And then you have the Hall of Fame. I think it's the best Hall of Fame as far as sports go. Um, And then my last one is not really a museum, but um, I'm going to put the Freedom Trail in Boston. 
It is uh, every time I'm in Boston or if I'm with somebody for the first time, I make them walk a couple blocks of the Freedom Trail. Um, and so I was there uh, two weeks ago and I was with uh, Jason and he's our sales rep and we were walking and he was like, oh, we had like an hour and a half to kill. And I was like, all right, we're right next to Paul Revere's house. We're going to start <laughs> yeah. there and we're going to walk up to the old school house. And That's it was cool. unbelievable. Just the history. And um, it's my favorite thing about Boston, too. It's just I, like I'll the history. do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to tweet you, live tweet you while I'm on the trail. It's going to be good. Yeah. You didn't list the world of Coke, which you were just at. Uh, I hit, yeah, I had some time to kill on Monday and I hit the world of Coke museum. I hit the Georgia Aquarium, which I'll count as a museum, yeah. college football hall of fame. I said the CNN center, which I'll count a museum. <laughs> it was a lot of yeah, reading plaques. I say a museum is anywhere you read a plaque. That's what I'll say that. <laughs> So for two guys who were kind of worried that I was going to bring this pretty highbrow, you've been to an awful lot of museums, guys. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like you said earlier, like whenever you go somewhere, like you're looking for something like a little something. And a lot of times for an hour and a half or two hours or if you're waiting in between a meeting or waiting for a flight, it's the best way to kill. Like it really is the best way to kill time. And and it's unique to whatever city you're in. And I love it. Another great museum is I think between like the T concourse and a different concourse, you were just there in Atlanta airport. If you have like 30 minutes to kill, you can walk between the concourses. It's an entire freaking museum. It's amazing. Yeah. It's very nice. I I love that that idea of taking a space. I got to be there anyway. Can't you show me something while I'm here? I love it. That's pretty cool. Uh, Priscilla, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, we can reach you on Twitter at little bird mama. Uh, anything you want to plug? No, but this you, you give a lot of shout outs to IIEX and Green Book. I'll give you that. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, well, I'm, I'm co-chairing speaking, but I, you know, uh, okay. I just was going to say this, not really to plug something so much as to say, this felt like a play date, you guys. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> it did. It did. It's like, we just happened to be recording it. Oh, well, well, and I'll be on all the, you know, in all fairness, I'll be at CRC at the end of this month. Oh, I yeah, see you too. guys and I'll be at, uh, you know, I'll see you guys on the Quirks Trail and all that kind of stuff, too. But, you know, I guess in terms of plugging something, I just like to remind people that, you know, Women in Research is a free organization to, to join. And um, I always love to give them a plug because I've made really great friends and in, in, um, great colleagues and I've been able to pick up the phone and just ask for help. And you guys are really good. Dudes are good at sponsoring each other and helping each other in careers. But, you know, women need to do a better job of creating a good, good old girls club. So I'll, I'll, you can go to womeninresearch.org. I know you guys come to those events, you sponsor and you help a lot with it. And it's a, you know, it, it's a, it's a way that really we're making a difference in the industry. So I'll give them the free plug for my plug. How about that? That's great. I love awesome. it. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on Priscilla. And we'll, we'll see you soon. Fun. Awesome. Awesome job on those interviews, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I only did a couple. It was good. You were uh, sick. That'll do it for our part one of the best of 2019. If you'd like to reach us via email, it's intellicast at emi-rs.com. EMI underscore research on Twitter and telecast one on Twitter. Adam Jolly, all one word on Twitter. And if you'd like to leave us a voice or text, you can call us at 513-401-5463. Brian, anything else? Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.